You guys may not know this, but I had a podcast in the past, and it was a fun thing to do, but it was a challenge to get my podcast to all the locations where everybody listened to podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the such were just a lot of work to manage to get everything where it needed to be. Now, though, I found Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now Anchor can match you with great sponsors too so that you can get paid to podcast. How awesome is that? Honestly, I'm really happy to find Anchor again because I love podcasting. I love talking about what I do and sharing with you all the things that I like to do as well. So if you're interested in starting a podcast like I am, go to anchor.fm slash start. That's anchor.fm slash start and join today for your free podcast and become part of the community. I can't wait to hear what you put out on anchor.fm slash start. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome back to episode four of season two of Elevated Office. My name is Eric McGrew. Of course, I am the owner-operator of Eric Street Service in Montrose, Colorado. Also of Elevated Office and my YouTube channel that I run as well. And um, I'm also doing a podcast for the consumer side, which is called Eric McGrew the Arborist. And it just talks about things that a lot, I find a lot of my clients don't know, have questions about, are unsure about, or just curious about. So if you're into anything like that, or if you're a, if you're a potential client, not just for Eric's tree service, but any tree service, and you want to know a little bit more about why you might want to use a tree service company or something, um, have an arborist come out and do an evaluation or anything like that, Go check that podcast out. It's it's brand new. It's only got one episode so far, and more are in the can waiting to be edited and come out. So just know that. Also, I'd like to mention straight off the bat that if you're not checking out Off the Hinge, uh, hashtag go do that. It is heavily related to Gap Arborist Supply in Gap, Pennsylvania. They don't technically sponsor the show, but they do give me a discount Um for having bought with them and and thinking so highly of them. They also supply just really good quality products at a reasonable rate. And they're a smaller company, which I really like supporting the smaller guys. And on top of that, um, they have Kyle as their main customer service rep along with Ray. Ray's the owner. They both have a good knowledge of arborist um, needs and tech, you know, equipment and technical stuff. Uh, Kyle is a climber and so I can ask him questions and if he doesn't know he knows how to find the answer because he has a a relative relation with it Um, and Ray has been able to answer some really um, important questions about equipment as well so I I find that they've been more helpful to me as a company than just about any other um, company that I've dealt with. So today on the episode though we are going to talk about hand saws. So like, um, just to put it into a little bit of perspective, like Silky Zubat, um, Segoy. I know that Corona makes one. I know that there are some Japanese, um, uh, samurai saw or something like that. That's one, um, that some guys are using as well. I'm only familiar with some of the 
cheaper, not so great Fiskar ones, which I hated, and with the Coronas and with the Silkies. So we're not really doing much of a comparison today, but we're doing more of um, why you might want to use it, how you might want to wear it. Um, something that I found interesting recently and then, uh, well, two things I found interesting recently and some pros and cons of different aspects of hand saws and what might help you make a better decision about what you want to do with them. So that's what we'll be getting into today. Let's get started. Okay, so if some of you don't know, um, technically by ANSI standards now, they are really encouraging that we use hand saws uh, of some sort. It can be uh, most typically either connected to your saddle or connected to your leg. They don't really have a specification as far as I can tell, even in the revised ANSI, as to what you need to do as far as carrying your hand saw. Um, but they do want you to have a handsaw at all times when you're aloft. And this is interesting because it's not only when you're climbing a tree, but also in the bucket. So, um, what I find is that for me, I, I don't use a typical man lift bucket, like a, a bucket truck. I usually use a, um, Hewlett, I forgot the model, but it's a 65 foot, um, tow behind bucket with uh, four outriggers that come down and it's a mobile uh, man lift and it has like a I want to say it's a three foot aluminum uh, tube cage on it and I strap my handsaw to the side of the bucket when I'm up there instead of keeping it on me um, it's not that wearing my handsaw is horrible but it does when because of the way that the um, safety clip is on the Hewlett that I use, it's actually down at the bottom, close to the floor of the bucket, and the um, fall restraint harness, uh, I'm sorry, the fall restraint uh, deceleration lanyard can get caught between my leg and the, the handle of my saw a bit, and it's just annoying, so I strap it to the side of the bucket in, in that situation. That being said, I don't climb with my handsaw on my saddle when I'm climbing. I always climb with it on my leg. I am running the Notch Talon uh, leg mounts and they're they're pretty decent. I have had one of the elastic straps that go inside under the elastic, or I should say, the interior rubber straps snap that go under the Velcro stretch um, leg strap. And I had to fix that, but that's the only problem I've had with them. The foam is really um, durable. It's holding up well. It's still very comfortable. I've been climbing with it for over a year now. And um, yeah, it, overall, I just really think that the the Talon notch Talon leg mounts are a good option. And um, so you can find those at various suppliers, you know, uh, they're not too hard to put on the way that they're made. The the saws definitely fit pretty well. Now, I will say that I think they're a bit more fitted and designed to fit silky saws. Um, I haven't tried like the Coronas or any of the other ones with it, but they do work pretty well. So why do I climb with my hand saw on my leg? Because this is a big debate out in the the world of tree service. Well, personally, I climb with my handsaw on my leg for 
essentially two main reasons, okay? One is simply convenience because I hate trying to slip my handsaw back down in the scabbard when it's hanging from my saddle and it's kind of flopping around. It, it almost takes two hands for me to be able to get it in and get it to go in smoothly and clip in like I want it to uh, easily, especially if I'm like hanging in an awkward position and I'm mainly using my chainsaw and I'm just using my handsaw in a one-off situation. Uh, I, I find that it's a bit disconcerting and uncomfortable to have to try to reholster the the saw in the scabbard or re-rack it, whatever you want to call it, um, when it's hanging and flopping around off my saddle. I find it to be a lot more secure and easier when it's on my leg. So I, I prefer the convenience of using my hand saw on my leg. Um, also, it's just one less thing on my saddle so still in the convenience reason yeah so i'm kind of equipment intensive but not super equipment intensive and therefore anything less i can have on my saddle is better so i don't like my scabbard hanging from my saddle it, it clangs and it bangs and it it flops around all the time and to me it just is annoying Whereas on my leg, it's there, it's strapped tight, it works well. I have control of getting the saw out and putting it in easily and consistently. And um, that's all convenience, right? Now, the second reason I don't like to climb with my handsaw on my saddle is because what I found is that it increased my potential of dropping the, the saw and it or, and or it increased my potential of accidentally cutting my rope bridge or my climbing rope. So here's why I found that. Um, when I tried, so I see guys climbing with their hand saws on their saddle in varying formats. Some, um, if you've ever seen some of the old westerns, you'd see a guy who had his gun mounted on his um, gun belt and the holster was reversed and the handles actually faced forward instead of backwards and they would kind of like reach and spin right um or they would reach across and grab uh which wasn't as common but definitely reach and spin their hand around and some guys run their hand saws that way they'll they'll run it with the handle forward so that when they pull it up the teeth are basically away from most of your your saddle and and stuff and they're not pulling across the rope bridge, which is where, as I mentioned, when, you, when you're pulling your saw out of your scabbard like this across your body and the teeth are down, then it's coming very, very close to either your climbing line or your rope bridge very frequently. And um, I've had it like miss my rope bridge by millimeters before, and I just didn't feel comfortable with that. Um, never cut my rope bridge, never cut my rope with my, my hand saw. Uh, it just didn't like the, the proximity effect of that. And when I had the handle turned backwards like a traditional gunfighter and tried to pull the, the saw up, it just didn't unclip well and, and pull out. And when I turned the handle forward and I tried to pull up, once again, it flopped around a little bit and just wasn't comfortable to me. So um, I, I guess one nuance that I should mention with this is that Depending on the kind of saw you have, it may be more or less difficult to do that. 
uh, pull it out because like the um, Segoys I know and the Zubat have like this roller locking system. I don't, the Segoy is a little bit tighter or something. Um, I don't remember, but the, the Zubat, which I use, has a roller locker and it holds it in and you kind of have to yank on it to pull it out. And it, it, when it's, when the tip of the scabbard isn't stable, it can be harder to pop it out and put it back down in there. So I didn't like that and I definitely didn't like it in proximity to my rope bridge pulling across me like this. So I didn't like pulling it across like that and the teeth being, you know, on the bottom in proximity to my rope bridge and my rope. So um, didn't, I got away from that fairly early on. I like it on my leg. It does have its own pros and cons. Um, and we'll talk about those here in the next segment just to keep this kind of spread apart. All right, so we've talked about why I don't run my handsaw on my rope bridge, um, my rope bridge, on my saddle, but on my leg. So let's talk about why I actually run my handsaw on my leg and some of the pros and cons of it, okay? Because nothing's perfect. I mean, once again, I, I like to make this mention, and if you've listened to me for any period of time in my videos or in my podcast, you hear me say that nothing in this industry is perfect because we're doing something that we really weren't designed to do and so we're making the best situation of the worst case situation possible right um it's just you know we if you watch animals that were designed to climb trees and that um you know are, are it's in their nature it's in their um instinct they they just are different about it than we are clearly right so we're making something that's technically not um it's possible but it wasn't really specifically designed in us to do to to be able to do this right um so when when i climb i found that the the handsaw on my saddle which is where it started was just more cumbersome and un inconvenient for me than i liked just so you know um, talked about that a little bit in the last segment, but then I found somebody online that was running the notch talon leg mounts. And I was like, okay, because I had heard of some people using some old, um, I want to say it was Adam, the groundsman for August, August Hunnicky that was running the old, um, spur straps through the silky scabbard and strapping them to his leg like that. And that's what I was gonna do at first, but I just could tell that that hard plastic against my leg wasn't gonna be super comfortable. So as I looked around a little bit, I ended up finding the notch talon leg mounts. And um, I quickly jumped on those. I wanna say they're like $35 or something. And if I'm not mistaken, Gap Arborist also sells those if you're interested in checking them out. Um, and as I bought those, I quickly realized that that padding on the inside was definitely a benefit. So the, the, if you don't know what the notch talon leg mounts are, they're like a preformed plastic piece with a high density, um, foam on the inside that is soft, but it's like, it's the cellular particles are very close and it's very comfortable. Um, and then on the top side, there's a little channel 
and the scabbard lays in it and then you strap the scabbard to the mounts and then there's a elastic velcro strap that you can run around your leg and uh, mount you know cinch it to your leg essentially at differing very um, variations of force depending on what you need because clearly your leg at the calf is going to be thicker than at the ankle-ish area right so and that's how it's designed i usually i usually run mine about um high to mid calf at the top strap and then it's just like overlapping the top of my arb pro climbing boot just a little bit at the very tip of the scabbard um which doesn't affect my mobility at all for me i never hit the tip of the scabbard with my foot when i'm bending my ankle to climb or anything but you can adjust it to whatever height you want right and now do know that depending on the kind of handsaw you're running it may be um more or less convenient i think the segoys are a little bit longer it may not be they may not be longer they may just look longer because they're definitely narrower and thinner right so um keep that in in consideration that's not something that i'm dealing with because i only climb with the silky zubat at the moment and um that's what i went to very early on so uh yeah just know that for me i'm a i'm six foot two so it would also depend a little bit on your your um height you know in your leg length you could even strap uh, the saw to your thigh if you had the room with your saddle and everything on. That would be up to you. So some of it's going to just depend on your body structure and if the, the the mount and the scabbard fits on your leg without interfering with your climbing. Okay, that that's the first pro or con is just dependent on you and your size and you'll have to figure that out. Um, I've heard a lot of people complain, oh, they're uncomfortable, they're this, that, they're that. It took me a few times of wearing it to figure out how much tension was the right amount of tension and how much was too little, where it would just sag down as I climbed and walked from the vibration of your leg moving versus the right amount that keeps it in place and doesn't let it move down, but it's not too tight either. And I have found that that's part of it. Another key part is just getting comfortable with it. Um, sometimes it takes a, a few weeks of climbing with something to get familiar and comfortable and it become part of, of your climbing setup. So those are just a couple of suggestions with using leg mounts for your saw, right? Um, as for other pros and cons now, one of the, one of the definite pros to it is that it's easily accessible and no matter which direction I am, no matter how I'm oriented for a work position, if my feet are hanging up in the air and I'm literally hanging down, all I have to do is swing my arm up, grab it, pull it down, and I've got it. If I'm laid straight out, I've got it. If I'm laid on my side, it's down here, I've got it. It is very convenient for me because the scabbard is always securely mounted to my leg. No question, no matter which orientation I have, it works perfectly for the position my body's in because my hands are always relatively in that position and it's easy to grab and stuff. But for that, you would definitely want to make sure that your saw has some kind of easily uh, accessible and releasable lock so that the saw doesn't just fall out, okay? Um, if you have a, a loose leather scabbard, for instance, and you have just like a Corona saw in there or one of the um, Japanese ones that I've seen, it, there's a good chance that it might just slip out if you're upside down or on a steep angle or on your side or something like that and you're moving around. So that is a pro or con depending on what saw you're running and how you climb. 
Okay. So that's something to think about too. Um, other cons for sure are that sometimes like the tail of my lanyard gets wrapped around the handle and I pull like I'm pulling rope and as you're pulling and you get to the end, the tail starts whipping a little bit. It can wrap around the hand of your, the handle of your saw. And as you pull the rope up, it pulls your saw out. Most of the time my saw doesn't fall. It just pops up unclipped and it like I can feel it jump and it goes back down. It doesn't clip back in. So you have to remember to push it back down to clip or you'll move a, make a dynamic move with your leg and it'll fall out on you. So that is a challenge as well. Um, but that being said, when my saw was on my saddle, I also had it get caught and pop out from climbing rope or lanyards as well. So, um, neither of them I think are fully, uh, free of that possibility. So you definitely have to worry about your climbing rope and your lanyards grabbing the handle of your saw and pulling it out of your scabbard. If you're trying to pull lots of rope real fast and as you move, make those movements, that rope starts to wiggle or that you get close to the end and that tail starts to flip around, it can wrap around. And usually like the silky saws, the handles are um, rubber. So rope tends to wrap and stick to them and pull. Um, so you have to keep an eye on that. Now, um, another thing to think about is it makes your leg wider, uh, because the scabbard's mounted there. So whereas when it's mounted on your saddle, it swings a little bit more and you can kind of push it back and step through and pull it forward in a crotch or something. If you're going between you're, you're moving around one lead and there's another lead behind you or beside you or something. Um, in a tight crotch, it can, you can fit your foot, but the scabbard might hit the edge of the, the lead and your foot's in there and it kind of fights you a little bit and that can be annoying. So that's something to think about. You have to kind of figure out and learn how to climb with that, um, difference of space, you know, that difference of, of spatial availability. Um, sometimes between your boot and the bottom of the scabbard, a limb can get caught or a rope can get caught like the tip of my, as I'm pulling up on my lanyard, the tip can roll up under there and get wedged. And I have to kind of, it, it doesn't take more than a couple of seconds, but I have to kind of fight it and pull it out. And then it's fine. Same thing happens on the top. It might fall and loop around, fall down and loop around the handle. And then you have to unloop it so you don't pull your saw out and get in a mess like that. Um, because any of those can, well, if it gets wedged on the bottom, it can get you stuck. So that's very important not to do. Don't get, let it get wedged before between your shoe and your inner scabbard piece at the bottom. At the top, it can pull your saw out and your saw can fall. And then you're kind of stuck too, because you either have to have somebody that can send it up safely without, you know, grabbing, nicking, cutting your, your climbing rope or your lanyards or anything, but you also have to have somebody that can um, get it for you, or you have to go all the way down and it never fails. When your saw falls out of its scabbard, it's going to be once you've fought to get into the perfect position in the canopy. And you're doing a thinning job and then all of a sudden it falls 60, 80 feet to the ground. And now you've got to go all the way down to get it. Plus you've got to fight to get back in the position that you wanted. So, um, yeah, it's, that's just scabbards in general. 
right? Um, you just have to make sure that your saw is always locked in. So climbing with one on your leg has pros and cons. Twigs can get between the scabbard and your leg, which can hang you up a little bit. Um, you can get your lanyards caught on it and things like that. But overall, I still find it way more convenient to have it on my leg because that the the lanyard getting caught twigs going in between or whatever is a lot less frequent than I was having to fight with a dangling scabbard that wouldn't stay still and I'm trying to get my saw in or out um plus it took it away from my bridge which that close proximity just made me very uncomfortable and things like that so yeah there's um I don't know it's it's really preference right that's that's all there is to it so um is one way the best way? No, it's not. Um, I can't say that I think you should climb with it on your leg. I prefer it, but I know a lot of guys who even do competition climbing, they climb with it on their saddle. So it's really preference. What I do recommend is even if it's not the most comfortable, try to take some old straps or belts or something and strap it to your leg. If you don't want to spend the money on the notch talon leg mount and give it a go for a few days, just see if it's something that you think is worth investing in the mounts to see if those will make it more comfortable and it's worth your effort to do okay um i really think it's one of those things where everybody should at least try it and see and if they don't like it fine at least they gave it a go but if you never give it a go you might be missing out on something really really good so that's kind of the pros and cons of carrying and climbing with your um, handsaw on your leg uh, mounted to your leg versus your saddle. Now we're going to get into a couple of um, variations of hand saws, and one is very specific to the silky. So just know that it's talking about blade choice, and we'll go into the silky Zubat blade choice right now. Stay with us. We'll be right back. You love listening to podcasts, but have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Maybe you want to build a brand, grow your business, or are looking for an excuse to talk about your favorite hobby. Whatever your reason for making a podcast, Buzzsprout is the place to start. Since 2009, Buzzsprout has helped over 300,000 people launch their own podcasts. Buzzsprout walks you step-by-step -step through the whole process and will give you powerful tools to start, grow, and monetize your podcast. Ready to get started? Click the link in the show notes to get our free step-by-step -step guide to starting your podcast today. So for some time, I was climbing with the Silky Zubat handsaw that was, I want to say the 330 millimeter um, Pro Saw. I want to say they call it the professional saw. And it has the extra large teeth, if I remember correctly. And it was a good saw. It is a good saw. In fact, I, I still have an extra blade laying around that I use from time to time on things. However, recently I saw that um, Silky offered, so basically Cheryl Tree, because they are the U.S. rep of Silky Saws, offered a um, fine tooth Zubat in the 330 millimeter length. And the one thing I'm trying to figure out, and I still haven't figured out, um, Gap Arborist did order the saw for me because they are a Gap seller, I mean a Silky Zubat seller. Um, but what I noticed is that you, the only way you could buy the fine tooth as of what I found on Cheryl Tree was um, 
it was with the handles and the scabbard. So it was like $74 or something like that, right? Um, I, I'm trying, I haven't had time, but I'm trying to find out if I can get just the blade as a replacement blade from Cheryl or Silky. I mean, it doesn't make sense to me that they would only sell that saw as a full set when they're selling the saw. You would think they would sell just the replacement blade. And if they have the blades to make the whole component set, why wouldn't they have just the blade? I don't know. I've got to figure that out because I mean, 35 or 40 bucks is a lot cheaper than $78 or whatever it was, or $75 for the whole set. But, um, I recently went to the fine tooth saw for basically, um, three reasons, I guess. Um, and it, it's, it's, basically boils down to the overall value. So if you know me, I'm all about value. Okay. Um, I might get an, a pro saw and depending on what I'm going to use, use the silky pro hand saw in my scabbard during that section and then swap to the, uh, silky fine tooth when I need it. I don't know yet. I'm, I'm kind of working that out because neither of them are ideal for every situation. That's why they make extra large teeth, large teeth, and medium teeth, and it's fine tooth. Um, but overall, I found that for my work, the fine tooth saw is pretty good. So the strengths of the fine tooth saw are that like when I'm doing willow trims, the teeth are close enough that it doesn't snap the, the, the extra large tooth really was bad about it. The willow sprigs and um just long whippy branches on willows which are typical the extra large teeth would just kind of sit over and and cradle the branch and when you went to pull it would just snap it off and even holding it you would pull it and it would still snap at the where you were cutting because the teeth are just too big and then even if you tried to cut it out here and it snapped and then you went to make a a better cut back toward the the main limb it was just they were they were too aggressive for that work in my opinion um same thing with like i do some ornamental fruit tree pruning same thing that extra fine or that extra large tooth is just too aggressive as you get through the you know half inch or three quarter inch stem and you're coming down and you make that final cut it doesn't make a smooth cut it just rips and then you have cambium and bark tissue just you know hanging all over the place and flopping around and it didn't look very good and then i'd have to take pruners and you know shears and nip it off or whatever so yeah i wasn't very stoked on on the extra large teeth like that plus I found that when I did deadwood and elms specifically and in cottonwoods, also on pine varieties where it gets really hard, um, locust, you know, pretty much all deadwood, honestly, that I deal with, the, the extra large tooth would chatter and skip and I'd have a hard time creating a curve where it would stay where I wanted it to and cut through and cut smoothly and evenly and quickly. Um, so usually on deadwood and on fruit trees and on smaller whippy fragile branches you would use a fine tooth saw when i found the silky zubat fine tooth blade i was like oh i gotta give this a try and i've been super surprised with it now do know that while it works really great on like smaller fruit tree prunes and it works great on um 
uh, thinning and weight reduction on the very tips of big trees like elms and cottonwoods and willows and um, locusts and all this stuff, crab apples, everything. It, it is um, less ideal when you're trying to use the saw to cut through a four inch piece of green wood because the teeth are so close together, they get kind of uh, caught up with the, the, you know, moist material, the humidified material, and it doesn't clean the kerfing as easily. And um, the blade reliefs or, you know, the gaps in between the teeth. And so it's not been as efficient. I have to cut more times through greenwood to get it to, to come off but it still leaves a much finer and refined cut at the end. Um, so the, the value, and that's only on like bigger stuff, smaller stuff, it cuts pretty quickly. Um, honestly, I've not seen much of a difference on like, let's say one inch and lower it's on the one inch and larger or the one and a half and larger, let's say, or something like that, that you notice a, a significant difference in using the fine tooth blade over the extra large or the medium or the large tooth blades which is why I might buy a pro saw for with the days that I'm using it on like um, juniper trees or um, I'm removing poplars or pines or elms and I have to make notches and I want to control it more and I'm hand cutting that last little bit of the um, back cut for the hinge to go over maybe I'll buy a large tooth because it makes it a little bit more controllable in that way but overall like 70% of everything I do the fine tooth has been so much better than the extra large was so I'm really hoping that I can find um, replacement blades just for that and I'll keep you guys updated on that but so far I'm preferring the fine tooth blade over the um, extra large or professional tooth blade just because it's working better for me for my needs and for the performance work that I do. Uh, it depends clearly on what kind of work you predominantly do. If you're a climber that does removals 90% of the time, well, this probably wouldn't be the blade for you. Um, if you're doing super finite, uh, you know, pruning, this might be the blade for you. So definitely check out the fine tooth silky Zubat, Zubat blade if you're running a silky Zubat handsaw. Okay. So that's my um, preference for the new blade that I found. And now we're going to talk about an accessory. And I have a, a quote from um, Zach, zigzagman.zr on Instagram, who's a great climber and I respect a lot for his climbing ability and his reference to products. And we've been talking briefly about something that um, I started using literally a couple of days ago that I've been stoked on and I'm looking forward to using it more but we're going to talk about it now and that is the recoil light reach lanyard that I'm using on my silky Zubat so let's get into some of the pros and cons of that and some of the things you might want to think about So we talked a little bit about the fine tooth silky Zubat handsaw blade that I've gone to using recently and why I'm doing that, um, why I think it might be a good option. And just so you know, even if you don't have a silky, there are other brands that offer fine tooth blades. So you might want to look into that as well. Corona has some um, pruning. Uh, saws that are fine tooth. I think Burger has a couple, and then some of those. Um, I want to call. I want to say they're called samurai uh, 
trim handsaws for arborists that are sold uh, from Japan, they also have some fine tooth options as well. So just know that while I was talking about that specifically with the Silky Zubat, it, it can, that concept can apply across the board for varying brands that offer, you know, that offer fine tooth blades as well. So um, now we're going to talk about something that came to me recently, and it's something that has to do with the hand saws that we use, but it is an accessory rather than um, a change or a style or something like that. So. Um, I've been communicating with Dan with recoil.com quite a bit recently, and it's because I love their products. Um, Dan's doing a great job. He's using intuitive ideas, and he's really in tune with the arborist culture and work at heights culture of varying industries, and he's quick to listen and quick to try to find a market for things that are feasible or realistic. So, um... When I was talking to him, I noticed on his website that he had a light reach tool lanyard. It's like two meters long, has two locking carabiners, uh, the, the screw lock carabiners that are small at the each end of it. And it's a tight coil, you know, retractable lanyard. It's It doesn't go into a device, it just coils up and so it stays compact. And then it of course spreads out and it goes back together. And I was thinking, man, that would be a fairly potentially good option for a handsaw lanyard. And I know that as a general rule, lots of people don't use handsaw lanyards. And I know that a lot of the competition climbers actually use them in work um, related uh, scenarios as well because they're used to using them for comp and they have to use them for comp pretty much because you can't afford to drop anything because of points and all that but I climb a lot by myself or I climb with just one guy on the ground and I find that it's not uncommon that accidentally my saw can get dislodged or sometimes I'm trying to I, I cut something and I'm trying to manage the branch and my saw at the same time and it can get knocked out of my hand. It's not that it happens all the time. It might happen one out of every, I don't know, shoot, once every four or five months. It's not much. But when it does happen, it's super infuriating and super frustrating. And I'm constantly fighting to, to make sure that I don't step in a way or do something that will dislodge my saw and make it potentially fall to the ground. So, for me, that security of being able to use my saw a little bit more freely is definitely worth the the potential of, of trying something new, right? And see how it works. Because I, I don't like my hand saws potentially falling for various reasons. One, as um, I've mentioned before, I hate to have to like get out of a work position that I fought to get in to go all the way to the ground to grab my handsaw. That's infuriating because now I'm exerting energy I don't need to exert or don't want to exert in something that is unproductive in a real really when I could have avoided it potentially. Um, second is I don't like my handsaw falling because it's fairly silent when it falls and that is something that could really cause damage to someone if they're under me like a groundsman didn't know that my handsaw fell and sometimes it has fallen out and I didn't know it fell. 
So that's frustrating because um, it's a safety issue in my opinion. And then on top of all of that, um, I don't like my handsaw falling uncontrolled because I don't know if it's going to come in contact or close contact with my rope line, you know, my climb line or my lanyard or whatever. And that's not good either for me. It's, it's just really, in, in my opinion, a safety issue. And then the groundsman has to figure out how to tie it onto the line so that the teeth aren't facing the rope and you have to pull it up without the teeth potentially hitting the rope and it's it's just inconvenient at best and unsafe at worst so um i started playing with this idea of using the light reach lanyard from uh recoil.com and i reached out to a couple people and here's what i found some guys are willing to think about the idea right and some guys have kind of just decided that it's not for them and that's okay um you have to understand that when i go through these ideas it's not because i think it's the solution to everybody's problem that's not what i'm saying it, it's kind of like when you hear me talk about the mini skid thing i i think they're great tools and i think that a lot of people benefit from them it just has to be in my opinion the value and the money and the ability of it have to work equally and make it feasible for me to, to buy it. If I go into debt and I have to shut my company down because I've spent something that I can't afford, then it wasn't worth it. Um, but if at the same time I have to do something that's not, if I do something that's not required or like in the handsaw thing, if, if my saw falls out once every five months and usually no one's around, yeah, it's a potential safety issue, um, but it's a very, very small, very small one. So if it's something that's going to make me slow and make me unproductive, then I wouldn't want to do it. Or if it's something that's going to make me unsafe, I wouldn't want to do it, right? So there's always these, these balances of value to them. And um, I'll, I'll, I'll read to you what um, Zach or Zigzag Man told me because I asked him about it and I like to get his and others opinions because these guys have experience climbing so if you're not following him I really think you should he does a great job of documenting his contract climbs he's a contract climber out of Pennsylvania I want to say it is and um, he is zigzagman.zr okay on Instagram and I don't know if he has YouTube I don't think so but that's where he puts up everything is on Instagram that I know of. so um, I asked him if he climbed with a handsaw lanyard and this is what he said and I quote not me personally imagine if the saw gets caught on a limb and pulls out so he's saying imagine that the saw gets caught with the lanyard on it in a limb and it gets pulled out of the scabbard but the lanyard's still attached to it right and he says, that's what it's there for, right? So he, he's acknowledging that the idea of it is that the saw shouldn't fall, but it should stay attached to you via the lanyard, right? And then he says, except for now you climb three or four feet away, and now you look back at it just in time to see it come loose, and your razor-sharp silky comes shooting back at you. So what he's saying is, Imagine that you, the, the saw comes out, it gets hung up, you climb, you know, in, in this case, since it's two meters, like six or seven feet away, and this has 
tension on the, the lanyard and you look back and notice that you've the the saw is hung up and it's got tension on it because you feel it maybe on your leg or your saddle or whatever just in time for that tension of you moving or being far enough away it comes loose of the branch slings back at you and now you've got a propelled object in the tree with very sharp teeth on it as we know our hand saws have right he said i considered a hand saw lanyard at one point and that is what deterred me so he had thought about handsaw lanyards, but what deterred him from them was the fact that there is a potential that this saw could get hung up and the lanyard could stretch and as you get away, it could sling back at you and then potentially become dangerous. And he's got a, a complete point. I mean, some of the most realistic accidents that I hear about and see are, are often caused by hand saws, right? They're super sharp. We have them in close proximity to our body. They're fairly lightweight and, and we can underestimate them. So what Zach is saying is, is totally legitimately valid to some, you know, to some degree. I, I don't even mean to some degree. It's totally valid. It's just now you have to decide if you're going to weigh on the side of the other potentials of it being beneficial or it potentially not being beneficial, right? I find that it's rare, not, not that it's never happened, but I find that it's rare that I personally have something get hung up and I don't notice it. Um, in, in, it may be to some degree that some of this is based on climbing style, right? So Zach is without a doubt a much more proficient climber than I am. Okay. I, I don't want to make any misunderstandings i don't think that i'm as qualified as he is or as i i don't think that i have as much experience as he is or anything like that okay so i'm not even trying to say that but in that case it means that sometimes what i do is i probably climb maybe a little bit slower than he does and a little bit more i don't want to say cautiously because i don't think he's on he i don't think he's unsafe or or carefree but it, he may have the ability and the confidence to do more dynamic moves than I do, right? So maybe let's let's say in, in Zach's total defense, I want you to understand this. Let's say that he swings, you know, from one place to another, even in the same tree or from one tree to another. And as he's doing a dynamic move like that with momentum, the saw gets caught and then it flings back, okay? Totally, that, that's, that's something to consider. So he's got a good point is what I'm trying to say. And, and you have to weigh that into this balance, right? However, with that being said, what I will say is that when I've been climbing and I'm going to climb with this more, so understand, I'll give an update on this as, as time goes on. But when I'm climbing with the light reach, um, handsaw lanyard so far, what I find or what I have found is that the lanyard because of its fairly tightly coiled structure doesn't allow my saw easily to come out of the scabbard. So even if the saw comes unclipped, because I'm running the silky again and it's got those rollers that put pressure on it, even if it comes unlocked, the lanyard itself keeps it compressed to the, the scabbard. Um, now, please understand as well that this would deter or depend a little bit on how you're running the lanyard. So I run mine on my leg and I have the lanyard clipped 
to the scabbard itself and to the handsaw. So it's like one closed unit. When I take my saw off my leg, it it all comes off together. I don't have to disconnect my lanyard or anything, okay? And it is still long enough for me to reach full length, even across my body or, you know, whatever, and saw at full length. I haven't had a problem with it yet, okay? So um, I haven't had it come out. I was climbing an ash tree the other day with it, and ash trees, if you know anything about them, tend to get really cluttered. They're very brittle and stiff, and like webbing slings and everything just get totally tangled in ash trees. I hate climbing ash trees. And I had no problem with this lanyard. Because of the coil design, I found that the coil rolled off of the branches and twigs and epicormic growth very easily and didn't get caught up very easily, okay? So that's, that's one, that's in, that's the other side of what Zach is saying. So Zach has a good point. Once again, want everybody to understand I'm not debating his points. I think they're valid and you can, you should consider them. What I'm saying is that my personal experience with the recoil light reach lanyard is that I've not suffered these issues yet. Okay. Um, another thing is, is that, like I said, since the coils are so tight, they keep the handle kind of compressed down because it's actually pulling since it's connected here at the scabbard and here at the 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 handle the coil in between actually keeps the handle compressed down um so it doesn't easily come out of the scabbard because the saw weighs less than the force of the lanyard on it however it's not very noticeable when you grab it and you go to reach and pull it uncoils easily with your arm motion and i didn't feel like I was fighting it at all, okay? Um, and I'll do a video review of this showing it in action and things with me using it, but we're, we're just talking about concepts right now because this is also not only the video, but also the podcast for Elevated Office. And I think it'll give you guys a good idea of what we're looking at, why you might wanna look at it as well, right? So on top of all of this, the lanyard is like rubber coated or plastic coated i don't know what it is but it's it's got that like sheathing on it like most of the um coated cables do or coiled lanyards do for tools that seems to be really durable i mean recoil in my experience so i have a foot loop from them i have two chainsaw lanyards from them. they seem really really well made okay um i don't expect anything less in durability from their tool lanyard department than i do from their chainsaw lanyard or foot loop for climbing with okay and it's all really high quality stuff i mean it's always a notch above the other companies I've used in, in total honesty. And once again, Recoil is not paying me to say this. In fact, I am open to my own opinion. I support companies like Recoil because I choose to, not because I have any affiliation with them whatsoever. And so I think that for if for you, if you're if you climb alone and you're sick of worrying about your handsaw possibly falling out or if you climb with one guy on the ground and it's always a nuisance to have somebody come send you your saw you might want to consider a lanyard but i will say i have always decided against a paracord lanyard or a piece of old climbing um like throw line or something which a lot of people use because 
those just hang loose and they do get tangled. The first time I ever tried one because somebody suggested it, it was so annoying I could not stand it, right? I'd rather risk my saw falling than having to climb with a paracord that's hanging that's like, you know, two meters long and basically so it's a meter long doubled, right? And you're always trying to, and it gets tangled in things. Um, the, the recoil light reach lanyard has solved all of the annoying problems that I had with traditional style handsaw lanyards of like just a paracord. And I did try one of those retractable ones, but I found the mechanisms, if you extend them too far by accident, kind of like a tape measure, the mechanism inside tends to not work very well. It breaks and then it gets stuck out and then that's a problem. Or uh, there's just tension on it all the time that I didn't like. It just felt uncomfortable and uneasy. Whereas the balance of strength of the recoil and how compact it is when it's closed versus when it's open, I, the it's strong enough to do its job, but I don't feel like it's fighting me. And I've been completely contented with that. Now, let's let's be realistic. There are some um, less than ideal situations running a lanyard of any sort, even the recoil. So what would those be? Well, in this case, you have a situation where it is a loop, a small one. I mean, the loop is only like maybe three and a half inches total when it's completely compressed that can get caught on limbs, branches, bark, nubs, you know, whatever. Lanyard tails, rope tails, whatever. Um, so you have to deal with that. The other thing is, is that <clears throat> because it is coiled, sometimes if you're working in close proximity, like on a thinning or pruning job, and there's epicormic growth you're trying not to take out or smaller branches, then those coils, because it's not smooth and straight, can get caught on one of those branches, the, the coil can, and it can limit your access and feel like you have less distance than you really do. You have to kind of grab it and move it past to get it to go further, if that makes any sense. Um, same thing, it can get caught on your bridge, the coils, can, like a telephone cord if you if you remember corded telephone coiled wires and how they would get caught on the edge of a, a countertop or get caught on the edge of your chair or whatever the same thing can happen with the light reach tool uh, tool lanyard right it can get caught on branches bark whatever trying to extend it the other thing is is that if you're reaching around something like let's say you have your leg pressed up against the trunk and there's a branch here and you're trying to cut this branch above it from your work position. Well, now you have to make sure you have the distance, at least for me with my leg mount uh, scabbard for it to not only get from the scabbard to the branch, but it has to go around the branch that you're missing to get to the branch or you have to pass it up on the back side or whatever. So it can create some logistical considerations um i haven't found them to be anything like extremely annoying or whatever but the realities that you have to d deal with right um so it can become an impediment sometimes to getting where you want to go and doing what you want to do the way you want it to um but it can also be really good so real real briefly real briefly to to sum it all up i like it a lot Okay, I think it's a well-made product. It's only like 25 or 30 dollars. 
it is um it coils up really tightly has enough tension to help keep my saw in the scabbard when connected to my scabbard itself it has locking carabiners on it that are almost too small for the silky zubat handle hold to slip over but it's tight and they will not come off without working them so that's actually a good thing in my opinion um I, it, it didn't add significant weight to my climbing setup i didn't notice it at all um, it's bright orange, so it's easy to keep visibility of, um, and it definitely is, is going to keep my saw from hitting the ground, but it's not so ten tense in the coils that I feel like I'm fighting it, right? It's, it's like the perfect balance for me of strength in the coils versus flexibility for me to use, okay? The cons your saw could get caught up, caught up in something and sling back at you as zigzag man or zach was saying okay so know that and that is a serious concern you should be thinking about before you start using this product um well any product it's not just the light reach tool lanyard in fact dan doesn't really promote this as a handsaw lanyard just so you know i am stepping into that area and saying this might be an option for you okay just know that and and currently if you're in the u.s and you want this tool lanyard I don't think you can get it anywhere that I found online. You have to, or not in the US. You can order it from Dan in Australia and he'll send it to you from recoil.com. And it's not much money. It's a few bucks shipping or something. It's not that big of a deal. But that's how you'd have to get it currently that I know of, okay? So um, it could get caught up. It could fling it back at you, right? It is a coil setup. So it can get caught on nubs and stuff by the coil itself while you're trying to use it can get caught up on your bridge or whatever it's not going to do any damage or harm it can just impede your you know or you might have to yank on it a little bit to get it to skip past those coils okay that's actually a benefit in some cases too because i've stretched it hung it on my bridge saddle or whatever and then had extra slack up here to work with with no problem so it's a pro and a con i guess the other thing is, is that um, it is something attached to the handle of your saw and your scabbard. So if there is a branch and you're reaching around it, like, you know, you, ha you have to have that distance and length to get around. I haven't had a problem with that yet, but just know you have to. And because it is an extra lanyard piece and coil, it could potentially get caught on branches, epicormic growth, nubs, bark, you know, get caught in a crotch, whatever, and get wedged. It, just like any rope or anything could so just know that that's what we're dealing with um, are the potentials of it having those issues with you climbing but in my mind um, so far for the price the weight and the function of it versus the realities of those potential cons happening the pros are winning out for me um, some of those cons are potentials they're not realities that I've faced they're just you have to be realistic and say this could potentially happen. So um, when you're looking at it, that's what you need to consider. Is it something you really know will happen regularly or you feel will happen regularly? Is it just something that's in your head that might happen? And if so, how bad is that one-time occurrence versus if it never happens, right? Um, so once again, I'm not trying to play down Zach's opinion at all. He's He's got a very valid point. He doesn't want to risk that. I respect that. I don't really mind so much. I'm not so worried about it. So it's just two different opinions about climbing and the way that that stuff works. It has nothing to do with 
what I think of Zach. I think he, he has a great point, and I, I think you should consider that for sure. I just don't really think it's big enough of an issue for me. Okay, so um, please know that I respect Zach. I appreciate him letting me use his viewpoint on. I asked him, he said that I could quote him, and I totally think that um, it's a good idea that I do because I think you should know what other climbers think. And um, yeah, I, I think that at least you should think about whether this might be worth it for you. Um, I think that recoil makes awesome products and I think that the light reach is no less than the rest of the stuff that they make. It just may not be the tool for you. Um, so um, if you want one and you forget where to get it, look in the description of this video or in the description of this podcast, check out the link there and then you can go see. Um, pretty soon on my YouTube channel, I will be putting up a video of some of the pros and cons of it in action so that you can see, not just verbally. If you want to check that out as well, you can check, a, there is a link in the description of this video and podcast to my YouTube page. So go check that out. Don't forget to check out Gap Arborist um, Supply and check them out at gaparborsupply.com and call up and get some help if you need or look at the products that you're looking for through Kyle and uh, Ray. And also, um, you know, I don't talk about them too much, but I'm gonna name them really briefly. Some of the products that I really think everybody should be looking at for safety and quality that I really like, I'm not saying they're the only ones out there, but the ones that I really like currently are, I really, really like the Arb Pro Clip and Step boots um, for climbing in. I don't like them for the clip and step factor. I've never used the Evos, so the Evos may just be as good, but um, I, and I'll go into why I don't use the clip and step loop anymore. That's why I'm running the recoil foot loop. Um, but yeah, I like those boots. I think they're great climbing boots. I love my clogger zero G2s. Super, I climb in them, negative one degrees I'm climbing in them. I love those pants. So um, you might want to give those a chance. I love my fanner. Protus helmet. I love the safety rating on it and the side impact and it has the best coverage of your head on the market currently as far as I know. And then um, also I really think that the Sena or Sena communication systems is an, a vital part of our industry now and you should be running that if you have a crew at all. I, I don't have a constant crew but I have an extra helmet with the extra Bluetooth in it for my crew guys that come and do contract work for me. And also, uh, I really like my Silky Zubat handsaw, and I really, really am digging to this day so far the um, Solidor Infinity climbing jacket. That thing is pretty impressive. So those are just a few things that I'm using. Of course, I've got a, I've got a whole list, and I'll actually go through here soon and do a, a episode of what I'm using, what I think about it after having used it for a while, and what I think might be better options or what I like about it. So um, keep, keep in tune for that as well. Okay. Thanks for stopping by and listening to this episode. This one's a little bit longer. Hope that's okay with you guys. And um, if you want to see this clip, the short segments of all this, go to YouTube. You can um, see each video in a segment on uh, the podcast. If you go to anchor.fm, uh, Eric underscore McGrew, then you can actually see the you can play the podcast from the internet 
and you can select which segment you want. So that'll, that'll be helpful as well. If you click the Amazon affiliate link in my description of both the video and the podcast and you go there and you buy something through Amazon after you've clicked that link, then I can get paid for it. Um, just a very small percentage of what you buy that helps me keep all this going. And if you would like to support the podcast, please don't forget to um, click that support button in my homepage for the podcast. And I could really use that to keep this going. It's a lot of work to keep all these podcasts and everything going, plus the videos, plus my company. But it's totally worth it if it helps you guys be safer and if it helps me grow as a climber as well. Because I don't think that I'm the one teaching you. I think that we're learning together. Literally, that's how I view this. So thanks again, and I will see you guys in the next one.